0: I know that's a short time to get into a conversation, but I hope it came right to you who you would have as a talk show guest if you were a talk show host. So if you have not yet answered on the chat, definitely do that. Anybody here at Quincy, you can jump on and say hi to people at home and answer the question. So let's, uh, let's focus in here because I'm going to tell you who I would have as a talk show host, or if I was a talk show host, who I would have number one, and I want to know if anyone else would want to have Brene Brown. Anyone else? I know there's at least a couple other people out there. And I think the, the other go- guest I would really love to have is Viola Davis right after she wins the Oscar tonight, right? Okay, that's what I'm hoping. No shame. Uh, we are having an Oscar party tonight for anyone who'd like to come at the Every Meal Warehouse. So when the Oscars start, what it's at 6.30? Come on over. There's going to be individually packed trail mix according to some, the Johnsons, all right? You're all invited. It's going to be great. So we have been going through the big story of God this year. Uh, sometimes we call it the meta-narrative, or with our kids we call it the big God story. This story that God is telling that we are a part of, that we are living in. We are actors that are part of the story. We are our supporting cast as we think about the, the, what our role is. And it's so important for us to understand God's story if we want to understand our role in it. And the opportunity that we have to be invited to join in to God's restoration in the world around us. And that's where we are in the story, in the kind of messy middle of restoration. And that's why we're having the conversation focused on the genre of the Psalms that we're calling Let's Be Honest. Let's be honest. We're in the messy middle, right? Let's be honest. Life is challenging. Let's be honest. We are facing different things in our lives, and we've got to figure out what it looks like. To be honest with God and to be honest with each other, especially the people that are closest to us in our lives, the people that are there for us. It's so important that we have that opportunity to know who those people are. And I've noticed in our community, if I'm just speaking generally, I think there's a challenge for a lot of us. We, we for the most part, we're people who figure it out, right? We kind of know what we're doing until we don't. And we don't always know who those people are that we would be honest with. I think there's a struggle there for some of us, and and I wonder about this challenge that this conversation, let's be honest, might have for us. I've heard from so many people, oh, I wish there were people in my life that I could just go deeper with. And what I want to say to every one of you, yeah, you start that. (laughs) It starts with you. And, And I'll just tell you right now, here's your second DTR of the day. Everyone else is wanting that, and you're wanting that, and so let's figure out how to go there with each other. I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, in my life, I've noticed that as you get older, it sometimes seems more difficult to build deeper relationships. I don't know, maybe that's just me, but when I was younger, it felt like we could go there quicker, maybe because we had more extra free time or something like that. Um, but with the challenges and the complexity of adulthood and all that comes with it, and all the things we've faced in, a, in the last you know, year like we've faced, I think it is a real challenge for us to have those deeper relationships. And so this conversation, let's be honest, really is a challenge to all of us to figure out how to be honest with God and with other people in our lives. And my challenge to all of you is let it start with you. Let it start with you to be the person to say, I want this in my life. Can we can we go there with some people that maybe you're beginning to have those connections with and those friendships with? To be the one to take the initiative to build those intentional relationships. So uh, this is our biggest question. How can we be Honest with other people, and how can we be honest with Jesus? What is it that God is leading us? Because I really believe that God's Holy Spirit can help us do this. How is the Holy Spirit inviting us to be honest with God and honest with each other? Last week, Pastor Donna talked about being honest in the valleys of life, and we've all been through valleys in our lives. And today, we're going to talk about being honest about anxiety. Being honest about anxiety. I feel like when you say a sentence like that, we're going to have a deep breath. Ready? Okay, we're going to be honest about anxiety. We're going to talk about the anxiety that most of us, if not all, face uh, on a daily basis, some days, some seasons of life. We're also going to mention clinical anxiety, which, did you know that clinical anxiety is the most common mental illness faced by Americans? And only 35% of people ever get any form of treatment. Think about that. I'm gonna give you a definition of anxiety so that we're all on the same page. And this is the definition from the American Psychological Society. We can put it up on the screen. Anxiety is characterized by feelings of tension, worried thoughts, and physical changes. Examples of those physical changes might be rapid heart rate, uh, trembling, or sweating. I don't think I'm the person that has to tell you that we live in an anxious world, especially as we look at this last year. I heard somebody talking recently, what does it do to the inside of us and our, our mind and our heart and our soul that we had to wonder if we were afraid of each other's physical presence? What has that done to our mind and our heart that we had to experience a season in which we were afraid and had fear, maybe anxiety or worry about the physical presence of the people that we love the most? It's not neutral. I think about this last week and as we were in this experience of the, the Derek Chauvin trial for these, these many weeks, and then there was that hour and a half period before they said there's gonna be an announcement of the, of the verdict, and some of you heard about it then and then had the hour and a half to wait. I know this wasn't measurable, but I would be willing to suggest that that might have been the most anxious hour and a half in history, <laughs> like in the world, because of this just worry and anxiety, because why? Because there was a lot at stake, right? Our lives are always gonna have things where there is a lot at stake. And what I love about the Bible is that it doesn't shy away from the realities of our lives. And the Psalms certainly do not shy away from that. There are so many places in the Psalms where you hear the psalmist, uh, David often, or other writers who are writing these songs, these poems, and they're expressing their fear and their worry and their anxiety. One of the psalms that has meant a lot to me, maybe it is to some of you, is Psalm 139. Anyone else love Psalm 139? It's one of my favorites. And I love how clearly it addresses that God is aware of our anxiety, that God cares about our anxiety. God knows about the thoughts that are often racing through our minds and our hearts, sometimes those thoughts that we feel almost powerless to control. So listen as I read just a couple sections of this psalm. I'll have it up on the screen as well. And if you want to, you could even just close your eyes. This is one of my favorite things to do with the psalms, is to play it audibly on an app or something like that and just close my eyes and just listen. So turn to Psalm 139. I'm going to read a few verses at the beginning and then a couple at the end. This is a psalm of David. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. And know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts, see if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. When I deal with anxiety in my own life which I'll share about in a minute with some other friends who are going to come up here, uh, this idea of, of God hemming me in, I 'm not a sower, but this idea of being just so tight and hemmed in behind him in front, that God is just so close and so with me, this this hand of God present with me. It doesn't always feel like that. But this type of reminder really helps me in the midst of those times, in the midst of those seasons. I, I think it's so important in that last question there, search me and know my heart. Would, are we willing to ask God that question? Search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Of course, God already knows our thoughts. And so maybe that's why some of us go, well, God, you already know. But it's about a posture of openness to God, to say, God, come inside. I'd have nothing to hide from you. I can't hide it anyway. Come in and, and come into this experience with me of these thoughts that feel like they sometimes can't be controlled and be with me in the midst of that. God already knows it. But here is something that I think is so key. God isn't anxious about our anxiety. And the, the, problem with that is that sometimes other humans are, you know, because anxiety is kind of contagious, but so is courage. And God can give us that courage to be honest about our anxiety with each other. But trust me, Jesus is not anxious about your anxiety, and you can bring those realities, whether you're experiencing some of that everyday anxiety, or whether or not maybe you're in a moment where you need to say, I wonder if there's some chronic or clinical anxiety that I need some more resources for. Because apparently only 35% of people are even looking into those resources. We'll talk about some of those today. So today I have two others who I'm going to invite to come on up. So come on up, you guys. Uh, We're going to have a little dialogue on this topic. Uh, The first person is Kevin. Many of you know Kevin as one of our pastoral interns. Yes, give him a round of applause. Um, I'll just tell you that Kevin has a very close relationship with Fillmore the Fox, don't you? Aren't You and Fillmore the Fox are close. I've been told.
1: I mean, we know each other.
0: Yeah, you. you sometimes you text. Yeah.
1: We've never been in the same room together, which is weird. But. It's weird that
0: you've never been in the same room when we know you're so close to Fillmore the Fox. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting.
1: I mean, we talk a lot online.
0: Yeah, you, talk, yeah, you, t- you chat. Uh, and Kevin, thank you for your courage to be willing to share some of your experience with anxiety today. And then we have Christine. Everyone, say hello to Christine. Um, Christine is a, an amazing cello player, obviously. That's yes. what, one of the things people know about her. Uh, she's also a little shy when we say stuff like that, sorry. And she is a PhD candidate in the Counseling Psychology program at the U of M. And when we say candidate, we mean like the dissertation is coming up. Do we have a countdown yet? How many days? Or
2: It's a little less than two months.
0: A little less than two months, so she defends her dissertation,
2: <laughs> praying
0: for you. We're praying for you, but you've had a lot of different experience over five years plus counseling in different settings with students. Uh, at the VA with different people who've gone through different different types of mental illness and and many different things. And so you're going to share from a personal perspective, but also as a therapist and as somebody who's got a lot of experience in this area. So thank you, both of you, for being willing to be here and to have this conversation. So the first question that I'm going to ask of our panel, and I'm going to include myself in this as well, is what has your experience with anxiety been like in your life? Um, And maybe you want to talk about this past year, or just generally speaking. So, Kevin, do you mind just starting off?
1: Sure. So, um, for me, anxiety and depression are very much intertwined, and they kind of reinforce and amplify one another. So, for me, it took a long time to kind of differentiate the two of those things. Um, I've dealt with it for many years. Um, I didn't really realize it for a long time, because I wasn't getting the help I needed for a long time. Um, But a lot of it has to deal with when I'm in not so great work situations, that's when I experienced the most anxiety. So, um, for example, when I worked in retail up until about a month and a half ago, um, anytime a customer would come in and unfold something, I would maybe get like really upset because they didn't fold it correctly and I would just go into like overdrive. I'm, cu-
0: I'm that customer sometimes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm so
0: sorry, I'm that customer sometimes.
1: Yeah, you need to stop that, no. Um, <laughs> But that's where it, like, it felt so irrational. And I'm like, why am I like, so angry? My heart's racing. And um, our corporate leaders were asking us to have really high conversion, which is like a high percentage of people buying that are of what's coming in. And if they didn't buy, I'd be like, no, they didn't buy. And I just would get so stressed out over seemingly nothing. And I'd be like heart racing and, and all that sort of thing. And so it was very, very strange for me. Um, And then certainly over the last year, there's been a lot of things going on. I've experienced a lot of the same anxieties that many of you have felt with, you know, the pandemic, the social reaction to the pandemic, political division, all those kinds of crazy things. And then, of course, you know... I have my own issues beyond that. Um, So like the day that we had my grandma's funeral, as we were leaving the funeral, we found out there was a riot happening at the Capitol. And job searching has been really hard. I'm sure some of you are in that same boat as well. I've been looking for um, different jobs, and there's just not a lot of opportunities out there right now. Um, And then, you know, just so many things all kind of happening at once for everybody. And so it's just been a very anxiety-inducing year for... A lot of reasons.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think when I think about my experience with anxiety, of course, I've come alongside a lot of people who have experienced it. Um, And this year, I would say, was such a uh, intense experience of anxiety for me in ways that I had never experienced in my life. So it felt really new to me this year. Maybe some of you are in that boat, too. In fact, I think the statistic I saw was that uh, in America, it went from 1 in 10 saying that they were experiencing anxiety at any one point to 4 in 10 during this time of COVID. And I was one of those people that was added to that. Um, I'd never felt like I couldn't control my thoughts before. And for me, maybe one experience that I had was, it was very metaphysical. I would get a headache or my stomach would be upset. And I knew it wasn't for reasons like I ate something weird. I knew that there was this anxiety that was affecting my whole body. And it was a very new and different experience for me. And I had some conversations with my counselor that I meet with and she gave me some great tools but tools that I had never even asked for before because I had never felt so deeply like I needed those to be able to stay present with my relationships in my life, much less anything else we're doing, including you know, leading here and lots of other things. So that's been my experience. What would you say, Christine?
2: Yeah, I definitely agree with what both of you said about the past year being a very anxiety-ridden year, um, but I think what actually comes to mind for me when I think about anxiety in my life is my first year of graduate school And so I was really, really anxious whenever I was doing my schoolwork or my research. I think any time that I sat down to work, I just became really focused on worries about being not good enough, worries about failing, worries about other people thinking I wasn't smart enough. And it became, it was very, very hard to get any work done that first year because I would just sit and um, kind of go to that place of catastrophizing, of thinking, like, I can't do this. Um, And so that, that was a very difficult year for me. Yeah, but
0: So what has it been like for, you know, either of you, what has it been like trying to be honest with God about anxiety that you're facing in your life? What would you say, Kevin?
1: Um, for me, being honest with God has usually been relatively easy because I'm like, okay, God already knows. God's omniscient, he already knows. The struggle with me is, or for me, I should say, is being honest with myself enough to know what I'm actually bringing to God. Um, for years, I couldn't name my depression or my anxiety, and so I would just think that I was weak. I just thought, I can't handle basic situations in life. Um, You know, I I always knew that like, okay, there are people who are starving, there are kids that need meals and they can't focus on school because they don't have that, and I'm sitting here complaining because, what, somebody unfolded something, thanks, Steph. Once I was able to name that, I could come to God and be like, okay, God, I'm having a depression moment. I'm having an anxiety moment. I need help. Um, And so really being able to name that was crucial for me in being able to come to God and be honest with that. And to this day, I still, it's harder for me to be honest with other people about anxiety more so than it is depression because with anxiety, it's stuff that's like, This isn't even a first world problem. This is just like not a problem. Like, my day is going fine. Like, when I was working in retail, it was like, okay, slow day, people came in, a couple things were purchased. I helped them, that was great, but all day I was just like trembling and my heart racing because I was so stressed out about minor things, like if they were going to buy something, if we were going to make our numbers for the day. And like, not big problems, but Anxiety makes it feel that way. So when I come home and my parents ask me, "How's your day? I say, I'm fine, because nothing went wrong. I did the normal things that were involved with my job, but actually it was a super stressful day and I wanted to kick everything and hulk out. Like I basically become a hobbit-sized version of the Hulk when I'm experiencing high anxiety. I do a good job of hiding it, but I just, yeah. So yeah, easier for me to be honest with God than with people, actually.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. What did you say, Christine?
2: Yeah, I, I resonate with that so much, Kevin, and I was thinking the same thing. I, I think that I really struggled to be honest with myself and with other people during that first year. And I think there's a couple thoughts that came up. First, the thought was maybe it's not so bad. Maybe, you know, maybe this is just a, a normal part of grad school that you, you feel like you're not good enough all the time. And then the second part, the second thought was why can't I fix this? Especially as someone who was going to school for mental health, I feel like, you know, I felt like I should be able to fix this on my own. I should know better. And then that led to this third thought of what's wrong with me? There's something wrong with me that I can't fix this on my own. And so I was so afraid that if I told other people about what was going on, that they would feed those same thoughts back to me of why haven't you fixed this yet? You know, maybe you should just pray to God more. Maybe, maybe you need to trust God more, and that's why you you haven't fixed this. Um, or maybe things aren't so bad. Um, and so it's really interesting that it was so hard to be honest with myself and other people, while at the same time, you know, there were so many nights that first year where I just lie in bed and sob at night because I was having such a difficult time. Um, So it's really interesting to see that distinction between how I was with myself and others versus with God.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've noticed in my life, I try to bargain with God. Does anybody else do that? Like, This feels terrible. If you take this feeling away, I'll do something good. I don't know what it is, (laughs) you know? Um, I also feel that when I have like the stomach flu. (laughs) It's just like, please take it away. Um, But that's what pain does, right? Pain puts you into a spot that is kind of irrational. And uh, I think that question, what's wrong with me? It's like, well, I'm a normal human being experiencing a lot of stress. And that's okay. And it's relative, right? You, you mentioned the, the first world problem idea. And the truth is, is that we all experience things that are difficult and at different relative degrees. And if we're going to show up to other people, we got to show up with our anxiety to God and the people in our life who can help us. But that is, that is easier said than done. And it has been for me as well. Um, and so I find that to, to have an honest conversation with God versus just like a please take it away um, conversation has been harder. And maybe because there were people in my life who said things like the same thing Christine said, just pray more. And I I think that that's a mistake when God has given so many tools and resources to so many people who are so smart, including people that Christine is studying with, to to come alongside. Because God's healing is God's healing no matter what God uses to bring that healing, I think. So that's been something I have to remind myself of um, as I approach that as well. Actually, Christine, do you think you could talk a little bit more just from a perspective as someone who studied the brain and studied our emotions, just from that kind of perspective as a psychologist about what's happening in our bodies and our minds when we're experiencing anxiety?
2: Yeah, so this is therapist mode, me, and we're going to talk about Emotions 101. So first, I want you all to know that emotions play an important function for us. So they communicate information to us about what's going on, both internally and also externally. And so specifically, if we think about anxiety, what is the function of anxiety? That tells us that we're perceiving some kind of threat in our environment. And so when that happens, there's things that happen to our thoughts, there's things that happen within our bodies, so physiologically, and then there's things that happen in terms of behavior. So first in terms of our thoughts, our thoughts are telling us that there is some kind of threat or danger that we're perceiving and that we cannot handle it. um, That we don't have enough resources or skills to handle whatever that threat or danger is. And then in our bodies, we go into what's called fight or flight. So our sympathetic nervous system gets kicked in and so we kind of go like this. You know, we're getting ready either to fight whatever that threat is or to run. And so you might notice when you feel anxious, your heart rate goes up. Um, you might feel kind of tingly in your fingers. Um, that's because your brain is redirecting your blood flow to essential organs. And so more peripheral organs that aren't necessarily involved in that survival response, they're getting less blood flow. Um, and you might notice you know, feeling more energy. It's because your body is producing adrenaline and other hormones um, to, to help you, you know, get away or fight that danger. And then in terms of our behavior, um, there's a couple things we might do. We might find ourselves trying to avoid, whether physically avoiding certain situations or more so emotionally, internally avoiding things. Um, and we also find ourselves maybe feeling restless, um, so kind of shaking a little bit or maybe you know feeling irritable because we have all this extra energy and adrenaline in our system.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I know you studied a little bit um, on the topic of racial trauma and how, uh, which we'll talk about trauma again in this conversation in this series, but how it, as we look at the experience that so many people have been having, when it, whether it's the, the BIPOC or specifically the AAPI community, the racial trauma leads to this specific type of anxiety that people are facing. I know you've studied some of that. I don't know if you wanna say anything about just what that experience is like being in an atmosphere where this is such a constant conversation.
2: Yeah, and I think that when this comes up in therapy, I really have to hold this tension of, you know, anxiety or generalized anxiety, which is clinical anxiety. You know, there, there is this kind of over-sensitivity to threat, and yet at the same time, there's things that are happening in our world and the way that our country is structured that make those threats very valid, and so it's possible that it, it could be one or the other, or it could be both. And so I, I think when that comes up in therapy, I wanna walk very carefully and, and not invalidate people's very, very real experiences.
0: What would you say about the, the reality for us when we're he- feeling that heightened anxiety so often? Like what's happening to our, our bodies and our nervous system when we're not, there's not a bear or there's not something scary, or, but, but it, it feels like it because we're experiencing that so deeply?
2: Yeah, I like to make the analogy of anxiety as this alarm system. So again, it's detecting threat and you know, sometimes that alarm system can become oversensitive and constantly, you know, pick up on threats even if that perceived threat is not